0: Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host James and today we're reading page 236. Color of poppies and irises and flowers of every kind, and the clump of birch trees in one corner would be a green and silver bower. Now it was a colourless place, beautiful in a skeletal way. The band shell empty, the fountain turned off for the winter, the brownstone city hall capped by white snow. And this, concluded Chad Mulligan, bringing the car to a stop outside a high, glass-fronted old building on the west of the square is Mabel's. He got out of the car, opened the rear door for Shadow. The two men put their heads down against the cold and the wind and hurried across the sidewalk and into a warm room, fragrant with the smells of fresh-baked bread, of pastry and soup and bacon. The place was almost empty. Mulligan sat down at a table and Shadow sat opposite him. He suspected that Mulligan was doing this to get a feel for the stranger in town. Then again, the police chief might be, simply be what he appeared—friendly, helpful, good. A woman hustled over to their table, not fat but big, a big woman in her 60s, her hair bottle bronze. "'Hello, Chad,' she said. "'You'll want a hot chocolate while you're thinking.' She handed them two laminated menus. "'No cream on the top, though,' he agreed. "'Mabel knows me too well,' he said to Shadow. "'What'll it be, pal?' "'Hot chocolate sounds great,' said Shadow, "'and I'm happy to have the whipped cream on the top.' "'That's good,' said Mabel. "'Live dangerously, hon.' Are you going to introduce me, Chad? Is this young man a new officer? Not yet, said Chad Mulligan with a flash of white teeth. This is Mike Ainsel. He moved to Lakeside last night. Now, if you'll excuse me. He got up, walked to the back of the room, through the door marked Pointers. It was next to a door marked Setters. You're the new man in the apartment up on Northridge Road, the old Pilson place. Oh, yes, she said happily. I know just who you are. Henselman was by this morning for his morning pasty. He told me all about you. You boys only having hot chocolate, or you want to look at the breakfast menu? Breakfast for me, said Shadow. What's good? And that's our page. We get the final description of what Shadow imagines the town square would look like in the spring and summer. The transition from autumn to winter to spring is a rebirth metaphor, and certainly seems to be what's being hinted at here. We'll be eating... We'll be eating, my god. We'll be meeting Easter shortly, so it could be a nod to that, or it could be just as simple as Shadow not being in Lakeside in the spring to see it come to fruition. (laughs) Nature puns. But also, this tiny little town has a band shell, think amphitheater, a fountain, a brownstone city hall, not to mention a fucking castle of a library with gas lamps. I know it's literally a part of the plot, but damn if this isn't a fancy town. No wonder everybody and their mother wants to move there. After they enter Mabel's and sit down at one of the tables, we have some good internal rhyme on that sentence, and Shadow has the same conflicted thoughts I did on the previous page. Is Mulligan just being friendly, or is he trying to get a read on Shadow? Moving to new places is less common in the winter months, and I have to imagine moving to such a remote town is even less common than that, so Mulligan could certainly be suspicious. Shadow considers that Chad Mulligan may just be what he appears, and... I don't know if he's learned enough at this point that no one in this book that he meets is what they appear to be. Maybe it's just because he's met a lot of gods, but I don't know. The only person for certain that he has had extended contact with that wasn't a god or some other kind of supernatural person or creature would be Sam Black Crow. Well, and Laura, I guess, but when your wife is a revenant back from the dead, I guess that's that's still pretty supernatural. Shadow's first impression, well, I guess the narrator's first impression, is that Mabel is not fat but big. And this puts into my mind the point of view of a child. I don't know that I ever considered anyone fat when I was younger, before I was corrupted by shitty and excessively judgmental society, but I just, I remember a couple of my relatives and thinking of them as just big people. I just kind of wonder if Mabel maybe is just tall. It's not really super specific in what this means, but Chad is regular enough that Mabel knows his order. Shadow also takes a hot chocolate, like the Chief did, but keeps the whip topping. I don't know if this is supposed to communicate something about Shadow or what, but I feel like I should have some sort of insight, since I'm hosting a daily podcast about this book. Not today, sorry. Apparently, pointers and setters on the bathroom door... Oh, I get it. You point your dick or you sit. (sighs) Well, at the risk of aping both My Brother, My Brother and Me and Back to the Futurama from literally like a month ago at this point, probably... It's okay to sit to urinate, whether you have a penis or a vagina or anything else. Just do what you do. I'm not going to catch them all in Pokemon Go standing up and dropping my phone in the toilet, okay? You cannot catch a Pikachu with your dick in your hand. Well, actually, you probably can, but don't. Chad has just been introduced to Shadow, a.k.a. Mike, and already Mabel is aware of him. She... May not have known what he looked like or anything, but, well, like I said before, news travels fast in small towns. Thanks, Henselman. Mabel mentions that Shadow is living in the old Pilsen place, and Pilsen is actually a tiny town in Wisconsin with a population of approximately 350 people. The town takes up approximately 35 square miles of space in northwestern Wisconsin. It also encapsulates an unincorporated community known as Moqua, which is Algonquin for bear. I could try to relate this back to the discussion we had about the Big Dipper back in the Zoria section of the novel, but it probably wouldn't mean anything. Pilsen, additionally, is the Czech city which gives Pilsner beer its name. I could also try to tie this back to the portion of the novel with Cairo and beer making, but I don't think that's it either. Czech immigrants didn't begin in Wisconsin but as of 2010, the largest population of Czech Americans was in Wisconsin after Texas and Illinois. In another call back to my home county, Lenox, Massachusetts is usually mentioned in similar conversations as having a relatively high Czech American population at 1.2%, making it a tie for eighth. Why does my tiny county keep cropping up in my research? Of course, I could be looking too closely and it could just be a last name, I Can't find a lot of details about the surname proper, so why not dig deeper and find connections that aren't there, apparently? Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for the use of his version of St. James Infirmary Blues as the show's theme, and thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.